Nou, dat was toch leuk? Hello everyone. Welcome to another podcast about design theory and methodology. Today we're going to talk about something that is at the core of design theory and methodology, which is design methods. And we will ask the question, do we need design methods at all? So if you've listened to the other podcasts, you will be familiar with our format by, by now, which is that we start the podcast with interviewing an expert. And today I'm interviewing a very special expert, Professor Peter Lloyd. Welcome, Peter. Thank you very much for having me. So today is a little bit different because Peter is the uh, expert today, which means that I will interview Peter first. And then I will discuss this interview with someone else. And that person is uh, Annemiek Boeien. Annemiek is one of the authors of the Delft Design Guide, which is a book full of design methods. So Peter, you are a professor of integrated design methodology here at TU Delft, and uh, you are an expert in design methods. So just out of curiosity, where does your interest in design methods come from? That's a good question. <laughs> My PhD was in, in psychology, studying the processes of design thinking, the mm -hmm. literally the cognitions of design thinking and how design is design. And at a certain point I realised I was in the middle of a, of a discipline that was much richer than I thought it was. So I was studying the, the psychology of designing, but, but then I sort of stumbled on, on design methods mm -hmm. and design methods being about how designers should design. So I was looking at how designers do design Mm -hmm. And uh, design methods are about prescribing a process or mm -hmm. how designers should mm -hmm. should design. So I think I I started in the midpoint of a of a discipline and then mm -hmm. sort of worked backwards and and forwards mm -hmm. and realised that how how intertwined those two things are. Mm -hmm. the, you know how designers do designing mm -hmm. and how they think they do designing and mm -hmm. how how we educate designers to mm -hmm. to design. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting. You're saying there's a difference between how designers do design and how designers should be designing or how we educate designers. So um, let's get straight into it. Do we, do we need to design methods at all? Um, I think, I mean, they're very useful in some, in some ways, certainly in educational situations. That's, mm -hmm. I think, probably where they're the most useful, design mm -hmm. methods. Um, because they, you can really be disciplined about following certain phases and you can build that into an educational program. So, you know, you can assess things at various points. And actually, they get to the heart of what design methods are about, mm -hmm. which is externalizing information in the process. Mm -hmm. So the original idea for design methods was to get away from intuitive kind of design processes mm -hmm. where people just kind of made all sorts of judgments and no one really knew how they were making those judgments or why they were making those judgments. So what a, a design method does is force you to actually externalize information, gather information, and then make it social some way, mm -hmm. so to discuss it. And in education, that's, that's what we do. As teachers, we assess work. Mm -hmm. So a design method is a really good way of instructing people into the phases of design and the mm -hmm. different things that you can, mm -hmm. you can do in design. So I think we do, we do need them in um, design education, I think the case is less clear for design professionals in practice. 
you know, if you pick up a book on design methods, if you go to a bookshop or something, which I quite often do, and I kind of page through the books and I think, oh, this is an interesting method, that's an interesting method. I don't know how many people actually sit down with a book and work through mm -hmm. from page one to page 10 mm. going through a method. Mm -hmm. So I think, I tend to think of methods as, as types of knowledge somehow that people have come up with. So if you have a sustainable design method, it's sort of a way of getting your idea of what the sustainable design should be across to someone who doesn't know anything about it in a sort of more experiential way. So I tend to sort of see them less as sort of these sort of scientific rational processes and more a representation of a certain kind of knowledge. So in a way that's almost like a design method as a way of explaining how designers do design. They're really very good at forcing you to do something that you wouldn't normally do, mm -hmm. I think. That's another aspect of them is that we, you know, we all have our limitations, we all have our ways of doing things. And a method is essentially doing something that someone else tells you to do mm -hmm. and following a process that they tell you to do based on their knowledge. You know, they might be an expert, they might not be an expert. It's the idea that you're being taken to somewhere that you wouldn't have gone to mm -hmm. if you weren't using the method. So it takes you, it gives you a more complete understanding of a, of a problem situation or, you know, different types of solution that you might generate and how to look at them. So one of your expertises is, is the history um, of design methods. So let's talk a little bit about that. So where do design methods come from and what have been the most important developments in design methods? I think like all histories, you could, it's how far you want to go back, yeah. basically. Yeah. You could probably go back to the ancient Greeks and uh, Greek architecture. I think really something like the Bauhaus was where people began to look at terms of, in terms of methods. Mm -hmm. It wasn't really a, a, a movement about methods, it was about something else, but I think people began to look a bit more systematically at what design was. Mm -hmm. Really the, the starting point for me is, there's a famous conference called the Conference on Design Methods that was held in 1962. And that had a number of people from America, from Europe, um, from the UK coming together and basically it was a kind of post-war conference and during the war lots of scientific kind of methods had been developed for analyzing complex situations you know operational research how to shift military gear from you know one place to another logistics mm -hmm. so there were these kind of scientific kind of methods and this conference brought together a bunch of people that that said the world is getting more complicated we need methods to understand how complicated the, wor the world is getting. So we, we want to move away from these intuitive ways of designing, this kind of craft-based way of, mm -hmm. of designing. And I think the field of ergonomics was already moving in that way, of a more scientific basis of user experience. So this was that kind of idea applied to, to methods. For about 10 years, I think, there was quite a lot of development of different kinds of methods in architecture, in engineering, in industrial design, lots of different disciplines. And then there was a, f a famous book that came out in 1970 by um, a guy called John Chris Jones. And he ha has the lovely title, Design Methods, Seeds of Human Futures. And that was the, really the first collection of design methods. It's sort of like a very early Delft design guide. Mm -hmm. If you pick it up in the library, it's just a collection of tools, methods, approaches of how to, how to break um, design problems down. So that was, the, that was a kind of key point in the, in the history of design methods. And what happened after that is quite interesting too, because people began to look at these methods and say, hey, this is a really good way of designing. 
we can really make it a kind of scientific and rational process. Mm. So what it did, it forced people to sort of think there was a right way and a wrong way of designing. And this wasn't the intention of these methods. The, the intention was to externalize knowledge. The intention was to make the information on which you're base, basing your decisions explicit and discussable. So there was a big sort of reaction to that. And he was a bit horrified, I think, by the way that his design methods were taken in very rational, scientific ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he actually went back on his, his methods and said, this is not the way to design at all. Mm-hmm. And he started to embrace chance and basically sort of said, well, you know, you can use a method or you can use chance. You know, if you have a decision to make, you can just leave it to chance. Mm-hmm. And what that teaches you is that when chance makes a decision for you, you you know in your heart whether that's the right or wrong thing to do. So you have this kind of dialogue with, mm-hmm. with chance processes. So he really kind of went the, the other way and said, there's all this kind of prescription and order in a, a, a design process, or you can just leave it all to chance. And chance is another way that takes you to places that you wouldn't normally go to. And that's what he started exploring. But he had this nice quote, I've got it here, which is about his original design methods. Mm-hmm. He says, rationality originally seen as the means to open intuition to aspects of life outside the designer's experience, became almost overnight a toolkit of rigid methods that obliged designers and planners to act like machines, deaf to every human cry and incapable of laughter. And I think that kind of sums up the process where, you, where, where science comes in and everyone thinks yeah, it's scientific and then what's left out is, is all the things that makes design interesting and enjoyable yeah. and... Um, yeah. So there was a kind of reaction to that, and I think one of the one of the key reactions was a paper by two people called Horst Rittel and M- Melvin Weber, nineteen seventy three. So they conceptualised the difference between design and science. They said science is really aimed at solving tame problems, mm-hmm. problems that we can break down. We can do some science. We can put it all back together again, and and we kind of know what we're talking about. And they said design's not like that design is about wicked problems they have this phrase about wicked problems that have a number of aspects to them I they listed I think I think there's nine ten or eleven mm-hmm. but they're, they're worth looking up because they're all interesting and they're things like you can't think about a problem without thinking about a solution um, there's no right or wrong answer there's only a kind of better or worse uh, answer there's not an optimal answer to design um, problems so they came with this idea that in the solving process, the knowledge for doing for solving a design problem isn't just in the head of the designer. There's a much more equal distribution of knowledge in design processes. So they really started off this idea that of participatory mm. methods to design, where you draw on the knowledge of other people, and actually the design process is a kind of birthing process, and a method is a kind of midwife for mm-hmm. that process, mm-hmm. where you're you're trying to bring something about or facilitate something as a designer, you're not, you're not the person that's really coming up with all the ideas. You're, mm-hmm. drawing, you're drawing ideas from lots of other people and helping this, this, this product that you're working on to come, come to life yeah. somehow. So that was the second phase, I mm-hmm. would say. Mm-hmm. The third phase is, is really back to intuition, Re- really looking back at how designers do actually work. You know? And that was when I started doing my studies. What, what is it that designers actually do that's sort of distinctive? One of the key papers that 
I came across was the idea that designers work in this way called con conjecture analysis. That sounds very abstract. <laughs> yeah, so, that, so I suppose some of the design methods uh, were based around the idea that of analysis synthesis. So you spend a long time analysing a problem and then at some point you come up with a solution. And this description of design really turned it round the other way and said, no, what designers do is they come up with conjectures, so proposals or propositions, and then really work out what the consequences of those things are. That's a, a, intrinsic to our way of thinking, is mm -hmm. to think in terms of what can we do and then what, what will that mean, rather than let's do a big analysis and then work out what the solution is. Yes. So it was sort of like the opposite uh, way around. And I think that was quite a powerful way of of saying, you know, methods, sometimes they work with people, but sometimes they work against people when the, when the actual ways of thinking are, are different somehow. Mm -hmm. And I think it, it really hangs around this idea of description and prescription. So a description is how designers design. Mm -hmm. Prescription is how should designers design. Yeah. So it's that, that answering that question. And a method is really telling you, you should design in this way. Yeah. A description is really much more, or let's just see what the diversity of people are doing when they do design processes. So I think coming up to the present day, mm -hmm. I think there's been a much sort of more social expansion in design methods. What we now see in design is many more voices coming into the process somehow and a less rigorous prescriptive process. Uh, so it's a bit more you kind of make it up as you go along. Do you mean that it's more like bits and pieces and you kind of, you know, you can use this method or that method? Yes, yeah, uh, yeah. And you kind of pick and choose which methods you want to use. You, can design, you can design your own design method, yeah. I think, now. Yeah. Because, because there are so many methods around and so many methods that you can use. And even you can go back to John Chris Jones' book about design methods and you can sort of construct your own process from that. And I think that, so it's much more flexible now, the approach. And I think also in education, we've sort of seen that if... If you look back to Delft 15 years ago, the book that everyone had to learn was Norbert Rosenberg and Johann Eichel's Product Design Fundamentals and Methods. And that was part of the curriculum. You yeah. really had to go through the book. I remember that <laughs> when I was a student. And, you know, I think a lot of people do remember that. And, that, and the fact that it was in an educational context really made people kind of remember all that things, even yes. though they kind of fought against the idea yeah. that why do I have to design like this in this yeah analyzing the problem yes. and then coming up with three solutions and yeah. then choosing one and yeah. so I think even even that sort of developed I worked with Paul Heckert and Matthijs van Dijk in developing the VIP method their, yes. for their VIP book and that was an interesting process to go through because that suddenly opens up a kind of different way of designing too so those those two approaches I think among the many that are, are on offer at Delft really kind of represent two different ways of going about designing yeah so if I'm a, a student and I'm, I'm kind of new to design and I want to become a good designer, uh, I want to learn more about design methods, where should I start? That's a good question. I think, I mean, there are obviously a lot of books around um, design. Delft Design Guide is one. I mentioned John Chris Jones' book. I mean, I, I pull that off the shelf quite often and look, and look through that. So there are things that don't really go out of date somehow, design methods. And I think now you can get lots of websites that lists design methods. I think if you do a Google search for design methods, it brings up lots of starting points for identifying methods. And I think just trying some of those methods out, mm. seeing which ones sort of intuitively appeal to you and then and then and trying to work on them, I think, yeah. is the way. 
Yeah, when I'm thinking about my own practice, what I've mostly done is, um, you know, I, I do read a lot because I'm also an academic. Um, and I guess I've applied things in my practice that I thought, mm, this sounds interesting, let's give it a try. But it's only when you apply it lots of times and really can embed it in your own design process, I, yeah, I yeah. guess, that it make, you know, becomes meaningful when yeah, you can yeah. actually do something uh, with it. I mean, my colleague Nigel Cross, who's a, another, he's a, good he's a good reference to go to, Nigel. He's written a lot about design methods. He has a, a very famous book called Engineering Design Methods. He has this phrase um, that design methods are life jackets. They're not straight jackets. Mm. So they're not designed to kind of restrict you and constrict you into a certain way of thinking. They're, they're, they're there to sort of help you get through a design process and think wider than your own thoughts. I like that idea. But there is a tendency, I think, to kind of cherry pick design methods and when you see books full of design methods I think it kind of gives the impression that you can just pick them up and put them down and I think as you suggested it's much more about finding out which ones will benefit you when and you see you have to kind of seriously engage with them I think and, yeah. and actually be frustrated by them and then work out what what they can do for you yeah. Whereas I think if you spend, you know, a couple of hours reading something and trying it out and thinking, well, this doesn't work, I don't think you've really given the method not that much chance to work yeah. for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the metaphor of the straight jacket as well. When I when I was doing my PhD in user centered design, I often heard from design practitioners who were saying, oh, "Stop, you know, developing design methods. We don't use design methods." And I think it's because of this older notion of design methods as a straight jacket mm. doesn't give you that flexibility. Mm. I think they naturally the way that methods are generally represented too, in terms of. I don't know, just basically boxes and arrows and yes. you sort of see all kinds of schemes. You know, sometimes you have circles and squares mm. and that they all kind of give this impression of something that's overly scientific somehow. And that, yeah. that you don't it doesn't fit with your how you experience the world, yes. too. Yeah. It's like these sort of strange explanations and block, block diagrams. And they're not intuitively things that people really want to use. It's interesting because, you know, I know a lot of those books as well and they're kind of kind of catalogues full of uh, methods and, and toolboxes and the websites uh, I know as well. But it's interesting that we're just looking at methods in terms of, of books, like in, in terms of websites, like in the way they've been written. Down. Yeah, yeah, so, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't there be like other ways to kind of convey methods? Like the students, they're now working on video. Yeah, yeah, example. yeah. No, I think that's a good point. It's not something that I've done much, but video is the a great medium to show essentially a time-based process mm -hmm. or a time-based method mm -hmm. or, and, and things like animation, I think, are a good way to show, to, to illustrate how something unfolds over the time. Mm -hmm. When you see it in a book, I think you tend to see it, a, an overview of everything. Mm -hmm and think that you can take it in all at once. Mm. Whereas I think something that's kind of revealed in time through video or through podcasts, I think mm. another medium maybe where design methods could be developed. Yeah. So I think there's, there's some potential there, but yeah. I, haven't, I haven't looked at that, that's a yeah. good question. Yeah, well that will be exciting to explore then in this, uh, in this course. Well, thank you very much, Peter. That was very uh, insightful to learn a little bit more about the history of design methods and if we do or do not need design methods. So thank you very much. Thank you very much, Mika. Okay, so that was the interview I did with Peter. 
Today I'm here with uh, Annemiek van Boeien, um, who's an assistant professor here at TU Delft. And Annemiek is also one of the authors of the Delft Design Guide that most of the listeners will probably know, which is a book uh, full of design methods which were developed here at TU Delft. Uh, welcome, Annemiek. Thank you for inviting me, Mieke. So uh, you listened to the interview with Peter as well. What did you think? I liked it. I think um, he raised a some important points like general messages or the question is what is the um, relevance of uh, design methods for designers yeah and uh, i liked also that he uh, raised this um, this quote from jones uh, about or actually his reflection on on methods and then finally he concluded like yeah leave it to chance yes was kind of intriguing also yeah, like, yeah, yeah. okay now um what are we doing with this Delft Design Guide? All yes. full of these methods and tools. and uh, But we don't really need it. <laughs> and so we don't really need it. And then, um, But I think we need it somehow. Yeah. And I think not only for education. Um, yeah, I had uh, that same view, actually. Yeah, what, what is your view yeah, on that? Uh, yeah, actually, I also think uh, for educators, it's quite of a, a tool to help them to educate because uh, it's their lifeline maybe yeah. also when all these different projects that they need to coach yeah but actually in education i think it's there is also a pitfall that there is too much focus on methods and processes uh, and then the it's finally about the result and the effect that you want to yes. have with your design yeah. i guess but um so how do you think then that coaches should use design methods yeah in so their work? So I think carefully, and yeah. I agree with Peter that um, there is a very personal component in design and what design is, and um, how you. Uh, there are many ways uh, to 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 roam, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to uh, to final uh, result, and uh, so uh, I think coaches need to be sensitive for the individual differences. Mm. And balance also between um, yeah what works for uh, for a, a learning a novice designer learning yeah. designer yeah. and what works not yeah and um, because design methods they also frame a way of thinking it's a window to a certain way to go yeah. and they are actually also very normative. They tell already how you should look uh, in a certain way. Or that was actually also interesting for Peter that he said, yeah, okay, you have this shoot and do. Mm -hmm. Is it methods, are they designed to do something or uh, are they prescriptions of yeah. what we should do? Yes. And there, I think uh, coaches need to be um, careful because some methods, they are developed because that they the the researchers they saw what in practice people do and yes. what works and what doesn't work yeah. but at the same time in education it's easily to say okay so you should do it like that yes and then i think you uh, don't um, send the right message also to your le learner yeah i'm just wondering like if you're a, if you're a student and if you want to learn learn design how, how do you then find something that's you know that aligns with the kind of designer that you want to yeah. be it's yeah. actually not so easy 
No. Uh, we do ask students that in the assignment for this uh, DTM course, yeah. they have to develop what we call uh, a practice manual for their future design practice. Oh, yeah. So really think about you know what they want their future design practice to be like. There was a, there was a, there's one thing that um, that really struck me when I was listening back to the interview where Peter at a certain stage he says that uh, design methods they're not straight jackets they're life jackets yeah, yeah, yeah. and that really frames a design method as something for a novice designer when they're stuck you know they can hold on to it and it will you know yeah. make sure that they can swim but then I was thinking that's not always true because indeed you know that for young designers that's often very useful but there's many very experienced designers that use design methods all the time and they don't use them like life jackets. For example, thinking of Muses, one of the service yeah. design agencies yeah. here, who are like really expert in context mapping. Yeah. I don't think they would see that as a life jacket. They're just really experts yeah. in using that methods within their practice. And I was wondering in the Delft design guide, is there like um, a difference between methods that maybe are more for novice designers and others more oh, for yeah. kind of more generally applicable? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, there are very general methods in, in the Dell design, like ob observations, interviews, yeah. Yeah. and in many di disciplines they do this. So yeah. um, so that's it's there, it's here too in the Dell design guide because uh, many people learned also about how do you do a, a, an effective observation or an effective yes. interview. Yeah. So why not learn from others? And I think they're very generic in a way. Maybe some life jacket methods could be uh, some creativity methods that yeah. you use when you're stuck. You feel like, yeah, synectics is not yeah. really easy. Uh, it's very obvious people like to brainstorm. and uh, But if you want to go deeper or you want to, you're really stuck or you think, yeah, here we feel there is something else, but... We want to explore this, and then maybe it's it's kind of a life jacket yes, in that sense, or decision methods. When you have, are with a lot of stakeholders, and you feel like, yeah, here we have to convince also stakeholders to make it very clear. I cannot follow just my intuition. Yeah, I was also thinking of um, of the double diamonds, which for yeah. me is a typical more life jacket like for novice novice, novice designers mm. that's a really uh, good model to explain to people who've never done design before that design is very much about exploring the problem space just as much as it's about kind of the creative space yeah but if you compare that model to how expert designers design they don't design that way so in another podcast we talk about you know how expert designers they mm -hmm. they the, the, the problem and the solution kind of co-evolve yeah so they don't wait with their solutions so to say until they've done that first diamond of the double diamond. But if, if you're new to design, that is impossible because it's such a non-linear process. So then that process, I think that method in a way is a very useful method to, to learn how to become a designer. But in that sense, it sits in a bit of a different category than context mapping, for example, which is a method that you know doesn't teach you how to design. It's just a really useful way to you know to explore uh, the problem space and to go very deep into what you know people need and what they dream of. So yeah, and also generative, and yeah, generative involve people. Yes, yeah, in, uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, actually, in the Delft Design Guide, we say in the beginning we explain uh, why is this collection of all these methods? Uh, why are they here? 
And then we have we raised three reasons, and one is uh, really support uh, people in design, so it's uh, helping to realize your design goal. Yeah. Uh, the second is to organize your process. And the third one is to justify and account for the work to project stakeholders. Ah. So we actually distinguish three reasons. Yes. It's also a common language. You can, uh, you can talk about your, what you, and yes. why you're going to do yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah, That's and you want to be paid for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> if you do context mapping, and yeah. uh, you you need to explain also your stakeholders, like yeah, okay, this is needed because uh, yes. blah blah blah. Yeah. And uh, they need to pay, pay you yes. in, in practice. Yeah, yeah. That's it. that's what Peter also said yeah. when he was talking about externalizing the information, externalizing yeah. the design oh, yeah, process. Yeah, yeah. So there is also yeah in all these methods there is really some. Um, that's also interesting that Peter raises the knowledge. There's a lot of knowledge in it that you actually put on the table mm. in, in, in cooperations with others. So you're saying it's a way to gain knowledge, but also make that explicit in a way that you can share it and then yeah. everyone kind of understands what's what's going on. Yeah, yeah. That it's not a black box uh, yeah. that much. Yeah, maybe that's why we have more methods in product design compared to other design disciplines. Because it's mostly a collaborative process. Uh, we need so many different disciplines yes. to, to come to a good outcome. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So thank you very much, uh, Annemiek. Welcome. That was uh, very interesting. And uh, looking forward to the new uh, Delft Design Guide. <laughs>